Hi guys, welcome to the Schofield Stories with me, Calum Schofield. Every show we're going to have some incredible guests, all with one thing in common. They've all got a story to tell. So sit back, get ready for some laughter, tears and a little bit of stamina activism here on the Schofield Stories. My guest for this episode is film and TV actor Jamie Chambers, having appeared in Skeptra Isle, Hurt and Star Wars. I've got a real-life action man on the show, trained in stunts, combat and firearms. And with a black belt in kickboxing, it makes him the hardest lad I've ever had on the show. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, Callum, how you doing? <laughs> Good, thank you. So, is acting something you've always wanted to do since you were young or...? Yeah, it's sort of, um, it was like uh, a mix of two things because um, when I was much younger, it was always the plan to sort of go into performance. It was always like uh, um, throw myself off things or um, get hit by something or you know, standard like action hero thing. I, I grew up on Schwarzenegger films. So from that perspective, it was always a case of, um, right, how, how do you be Arnie? Um, then uh, I went down the sport route for a long time. Um, up until I was about 18, 19. Um, I was head goalkeeper coach at Brentford. And then um, one one day, this is 10 years ago now, um, I was, uh, yeah, it was about 20th of December and I was watching Transporter. This is 10 years ago. And it's the scene where Statham's running around the bus garage and um, having fights through buses and then, ends up in this big open area, puts all the motor grease on the floor, does like this ballet style action sequence. And it was like a penny drop moment for me where I was just like, yeah, I can do that. And yeah, I, I phoned up, um, I phoned up the club and I was like, yeah, I'm not coming back. This is, this is my notice. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do what I want to do now. Um, so yeah, I, I quit my job on like the 20th of December. Uh, 2010 and I had a job within like must have been like two weeks wow. um, so I mean I, I don't um, I don't deal with regret I, I have a real aversion to having any sort of regrets I'd rather fail for what I did than not know what I did so from from that perspective it was a case of right if I do this and I'm absolutely useless that's totally fine I'll either work it or I'll find something that I'm good at. Yeah. But um, yeah, as, as it happens, I, I, I got some cool feedback, actually. Um, it was um, this drug awareness video and uh, it went live and I got a load of phone calls and messages and people sort of saying, um, can, can we have a chat? And I was like, what do you want to chat about? And um, they were like, um, we didn't realize you had drug problems. I was like, I don't. And I, <laughs> 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, that's, that's a long, that's an ask about face way of me saying um, it was something that I started off with an interest in, and then came back to uh, once I had the bottle to sort of jump into it. Yeah, because even though 2010 was that was that um, t- well, ten years ago, that's still only a short period of time to be an actor, isn't it? You know, only ten years. Last. So what's that been like for you? It must have been a big change as well. Oh, huge. I mean, I went in with no, um, 
no 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 form of training or anything like that there was never a, a case of i already knew something before i was going into this i didn't um have any uh prior knowledge which is yeah. weird for me because like uh i, I went through university uh coaching badges all, all that sort of stuff and i always had knowledge going into it whereas this was something where i was like i know i want to do it but i know absolutely nothing about it at all um so yeah it was a huge jump and i mean i, I don't regret it in the slightest it was the it's the best worst mistake i've ever made like it's um yeah <laughs> it's one of those where it's hard graft every day but it's something new every day um which it which is awesome for me um i mean in, in 10 years i've worked on some really amazing productions met some truly awesome people and then on top of that my skill set just exploded um i mean uh i went from knowing little bits about little things to climbing mountains and jumping jumping off buildings and fighting with steel swords and working with weapons and riding on tanks and all these sort of things and it was like okay I, I didn't know this could happen but if i didn't make that jump i never would have known yeah that's true so you know you have a lot of new experiences for you is there any that stand out for like being something that meant the, not meant the most to you yeah. but was the most yeah i mean the, the the first film set i was on was always um going to be an intense experience um i uh, met a young lad called David who'd had a truly horrendous life um, drug addiction, alcoholism, all that sort of stuff and um, sat down and chatted with him for two hours then director comes up to me, taps me on the shoulder and says okay mate, um, can you deliver that to camera? And I was like <laughs> you what? Um, so uh, yeah that was like um, straight in at the deep end um, that, that was an amazing experience because it was like it was real from the start there was no sort of like um messing around in the background there was no sort of like uh grafting for hours not to be seen all that sort of stuff that you hear the horror stories about in film and tv it's it was very much a case of this is a real person a real character and you're in then uh then on the complete flip side like um riding around on a tank for six months on fury um which was quite incredible um I sort of lucked out massively with that production. I, I was involved with a lot of the action setups, um, uh, doing jerkback stunts, like getting hit by a, a tank shell. And then um, on, on top of that, doing fight sequences um, uh, in like three feet of mud, all that sort of, all that sort of mad stuff. Um, and then obviously working with amazing people. Um, that's always, that's always cool. And then, Straight after that, I was flown out um, to go on Star Wars, which was an experience all unto itself. I mean, huge sets, everything was practical, um, and just everyone was sort of invested in this this sort of rebirth of a franchise. And you know, to be part of that, to be part of that project and that to experience that was quite incredible. Yeah, I can imagine it's probably a lot of people who would have loved that opportunity, especially the you know classic star wars fans who actually you know have the opportunity yeah. to be a part of it and a new generation of it as well i must have you know, that, that must be something that you never expected i'd say oh definitely not um i uh i was functioning like um like a, a third ad set pa while i was on fury um because i ended up doing everything it was great um 
the, the guys that were in the AD department on Fury were just amazing people and they needed guys on set that they could talk to and help run because they were massive sets they were like a mile by a mile wide ridiculous um so on, on the last day i had my covert in and uh the second ad sort of was like jay are you listening i was like yeah um how do you deal with heat i was like yeah it's all right i mean we, we were we were in the middle of bovingdon and it was like minus two and covered in mud and like yeah i would have appreciated some heat and he was like um all right and um do you mind like wearing armor and stuff? I was like, yeah, yeah, sounds fine. He's like, do you get what I'm talking about yet? I was like, I haven't got a clue. And, <laughs> and um, he was like, um, yeah, do you fancy coming out on Star Wars? And I was like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> and then uh, a few weeks later, after Fury had wrapped, I got a phone call with a uh, Abu Dhabi number, and I was like, I don't know anyone in the UAE. And then sort of the penny, it all sort of dropped in its place. The penny dropped, and I was like. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and then I was going to bring out uh, to be on Star Wars. So yeah, um, I, I I treat that with like utmost respect because it, it's it's like um, everyone's franchise in a way. Um, yeah. So many people have had, had so much input into it, and for it to have spanned so many decades, it's affected so many people's lives and influenced so many people. It's it was more of a privilege really than anything to be involved with it. I mean that's that's the main thing for me. What whatever part anyone has ever played in any of the sort of the Star Wars films is it's generally a privilege because it's such a big franchise and it's so well well um well respected. You know, it's um it's something that people hold in high regard. Yeah, of course. Uh, so what was it like being on the set of Star Wars saying compared to being the set on one of your first appearances? Um apart from the blistering heat. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah it was 45 degrees in the shade um oh. yeah uh, uh, for my first experience it was very much a case of like it was very very intimate very uh, me crew and that's it and we we just worked through whereas star wars there was so many working parts which just immense um and like i say everything was practical so you had guys walking around in huge huge costumes that covered their entire bodies and then they were walking up and down all day in 45 degree heat and then um you had uh two maybe three units working each day uh you had action unit off in one section second unit on another uh while first unit is capturing something with a giant uh, robotic pig and yeah it, it it was daunting first and foremost there was there was one sequence where um the tie fighters fly over chasing john and um, Daisy and um, all the uh, all the pyrotechnics are set to go off and we see in the background over the far side that um, a low loader uh, yellow truck was coming around the corner right in the right in the back of shot yeah so I'm sprinting across this set um, like <laughs> microphone in um, and just sprinted across jumped on the side of this low loader I was like reverse reverse go back go back <laughs> get, oh, yeah. get in this truck to go backwards i mean I, I i don't speak enough arabic for for me to have made any sense but like um i did enough to get it out of the shot so yeah i mean the sets were huge and you could tell there was a lot of riding on it um er everyone was taking it very seriously and appreciated sort of the, the magnitude of what they were creating but it was amazing um and 
being on the set that size, it sort of puts into perspective just how much effort goes into making these huge blockbuster films. Yeah, as even talking about it now, you know, I can't comprehend what that must have felt like and what it was like there. Fear, and I don't think my, I think it'll be half my listeners as well. Just thought, you know, the forty-five degree in that, just filming, you know, the hardship of acting. You could say that side of well, it. We were, um, we were on the salt flats for some of the shoot, and the, um, you had the sort of peripheral heat, which was about sort of between 40 and 45 degrees, but then the heat would bounce up off the salt as well. So you were getting it, like, not just down, but you were getting it up as well. Um, so and at one point, I, I've got quite a bit of ink, and um, I'd lost so much, like, um, water weight that you could barely see the ink on my tattoos. Like, I'd, I'd lost all colour. Like, uh, I was that dehydrated. Um, but it wouldn't change it. Uh, it was something that um, was... Uh, <laughs> An experience that you just don't forget. Oh no, definitely not. So talk about there about one of the struggles. Well, you know, dealing with the heat. If we're going back home now, away from the Star Wars idea, obviously, you know, doing stunt and action. Have you ever been hurt in this? I know it's a cliche question, but have you ever got hurt doing any stunt scenes or anything like that? There's a saying: it's only a stunt if you can repeat it. If not, it's an accident. So. For me, uh, I have huge respect for stunt performers. I think what they do is absolutely incredible. Um, uh, some of my closest friends are uh, some of the best stunt performers in the country, if not the world. Um, and what they do and what they go through is incredible. Um, I perform as much of my own stuff as I can, um, yeah. as much as I'm allowed to, um, <laughs> you know, without, without uh, insurance being an issue. Um, so from that perspective, yeah, um, I try not to get hurt. If <laughs> um, I, I, I did take a steel sword to the back um, while working on Beowulf, and that was a scary moment. Like um, we're, we're going through this massive fight sequence, and it comes to this part uh, in the middle of this battle, it's a big spinning movement, and then I sort of open up, and then. I, meant to just get a slash across the back um the spacing was a bit off and i take this big steel sword to the back um i was wearing a back pad at the time but it was one of those moments where go down and then find out like if you can get back up again afterwards like it's um so i've had a few a few moments like that um i tripped on an air cannon once which um (laughs) you only do that once you never do that again um yeah yeah, so i got a load of compressed air with like grit and dirt and polystyrene and other other fun things shot straight up into my face um so i was walking around it it was great for the scene because i was sort of walking around couldn't see anything so you you don't get much more natural than that but uh, (laughs) yeah i spent the next hour sort of washing my eyes out afterwards Lovely that is. Um, so, obviously, you said you've always wanted to get into acting, but was the stunt side of it something you had your heart set on? Was that always an ambition for you? Stunts was one of those where it was like, I, I'm very much of the opinion if you can add as many skills to your skill set as possible, that's always a bonus, that's always a benefit. Um, I mean, I, as a rule, being uh, from an acting perspective, I don't want to be doubled if, if I can help it. Yeah. Um, so driving, fighting, falling, um, weapons, 
all that sort of stuff i i add those skills consistently because that way um people can go right jay what what are we doing today and this this is how it's going to work and can you do that and i want to be able to say yes to those questions so if someone says um we've got an audi a6 and we want you to drive it 100 miles an hour down this street i want to be able to say yeah yeah great sounds fun i can do that um the same with all the fight sequences and all that sort of stuff um i've got some really great people around me um uh, like andreas petridis who um uh, has put me through all my action training um uh, uh my business partner winston ellis he's um putting me through kung fu at the moment uh, he, he's an incredible teacher um uh, learned so much from him because he's a stunt and action performer himself so yeah it, it was one of those where I, I i like to be without sounding grandiose like the, the full package like yeah. um I don't, I don't want to be doubled if i can help it i don't want to um i have to step away from performing something because that that's part of the fun that's part of the the magic of creating film and television is that you get to do all these things and have these new experiences and like even, even little things like um working with weapons it was one of those where it's like right i'll go get my training done um whether it be pistols rifles uh i took the opportunity while i was on fury to sit with the armorer and go through 50 caliber machine gun training yeah yeah show me show me show me everything um i think there's one scene uh in fury where i think i spent something like two and a half three thousand pounds worth in ammunition um something ridiculous like that because they taught me how to belt feed the machine gun so it was like right i'm out i'm I'm out of rounds open it up next belt in and just keep firing and when you've got david air shouting keep firing keep firing i was like yeah okay fine no worries yeah Um, (laughs) so were you meant to spend that much or (laughs) Uh, (laughs) right with that um well the armor put it in the tank um whether I was meant to or not is another question, but um, <laughs> yeah. I, uh, no, no one was upset about it. In other words, right. so that's that's all. <laughs> it's always a fun. I've got. Um, I actually had a question, but I was talking about this interview with some people who I know, and one of them actually asked, when, when it comes to the cars and stunt driving, how do you get into stunt driving? And it's it's sort stunt of like, driving. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's sort of two ways of doing it. You're either actually a driver, so. Um, uh, ben Collins is a perfect example. Uh, he was the Stig, and it was a natural progression when you're one of the best drivers in the country to end up working in film and TV, where people um, trust you to do those sort of things. Yeah. Um, I actually met him on the set of Kingsman, yeah. and he was talking me through the stunt on Casino Royale, where um, he crashes the DB7 and spins it. Um, they actually set a world record by accident on that. Where oh, wow. um, they, they were only meant to roll the car maybe three or four times. They, I think, they rolled it like seven times. Yeah. Um, so yeah, when it comes to driving, that the most traditional way is to be a very good driver. Um, the other way is um, through a stunt school like Silverstone, where they do rally rally car, because rally driving is probably the most um, equivalent to how you see car chases and stuff on film sets. Lots of um, lots of drifting, lots of burnouts, all that sort of stuff that is sort of equivalent on rally driving. So, yeah, those are the two ways you do it. Yeah, well, thank you. I'll make sure I get back to him. As one of his <laughs> ideas was 
that you, I sure you said maybe they like a bank robber and a getaway driver, and that the police identify them as a good driver. I said I don't think that sounds likely. But... I, I I think being involved in a bank robbery is probably not the best way to do it. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> as, as a rule, um, uh, I mean from. Uh, from my perspective, I, I'd, I'd say uh, probably keep it to the legal stuff would be a better yeah. idea. <laughs> you are top consumer advice on this show. What else do you want? <laughs> uh, so you've got your stud driving, stud performing, weapons training, firearms training. Would you say you've got a hard man image? As I've obviously watched a lot of clips of you in film and TV, and you seem to be fighting or shooting in the majority <laughs> of things that you're in. <laughs> Um, it wasn't intentional, I'll put it that way. Um, yeah. uh, I, I think a lot of it comes down to, um, my, my general look. Uh, I, in real life, I'm a hundred percent not a hard man. Um, I'm big and cuddly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I haven't got a, a sort of a, a bloodlust or a, a hard bone when it comes to that sort of stuff. It's, um, very much, um, definitely an image thing uh a lot of times as i go to castings and uh my my agent will put me forward for the boy next door or like uh the, the hero role or and i get there and people see the face and they go ah oh, so you're the bad guy and then that's it it's, cool. <laughs> it's like all right okay it's like that cool um i don't necessarily mind it actually it's um it's quite fun a lot of the time the hard man roles um get to do a lot of the action sequences, um, get to play with um, things that go bang a lot, which is always fun. Yeah, of <laughs> um, course. Yeah. yeah. And uh, obviously fight sequences are always great fun. So, yeah, um, the hard man image definitely uh, is in a, an inadvertent thing. It was more accidental than uh, intentional. I'm certainly not a Vinnie Jones in that respect. No. So... Um, are you hoping maybe in the future for more roles that are moving away from the Iron Man image or are you quite content with what you um, do? I, I kind of, when I started out, I set myself a challenge um, of where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do. And one of the big things that the way to describe what I wanted to do was to be like um, a balance between Jason Statham and Gary Oldman would be the best way to put it. Um, yeah. <laughs> To have the the action and skill set that Jason has, um, but to be the character actor that Gary is would be 100% the best way to put it. Um, so yeah, moving forward, a lot of the roles that I'm looking to take on and a lot of the stuff that I have lined up is very much based around that. It's very much based around um, challenging character roles, stuff that um, is actually testing me just on my acting skill set. Um, a lot, a lot of stuff where it's either dropping in and out of accents or um, having to move a certain way. Um, and then on top of that, making sure that it's still physically demanding. So a lot of action setups, a lot of fight setups, um, because that's always fun to do at the end of the day. And, <laughs> yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I never say no. As long as it's a good, a good project, generally I'm going to say yes. Um, and it's more a case of, what that project is going to be in terms of a challenge more than anything else so yeah um as much as i'll keep doing the action stuff uh i'm always going to be looking to take on newer newer roles and uh whether it be like um 
uh, Eddie Redmayne, when uh, he's done some really incredible stuff recently. Um, and those are super challenging, the same as sort of Daniel Lewis. Those sort of things always appeal to me because it's something where you've got to throw yourself into an entirely different way of acting, an entirely different way of performing where you're not relying just purely on your voice or an accent. It's mannerisms, it's tics. Yeah. It's, um, I mean, if you look at um, My Left Foot, I, I thought that just an incredible display from Daniel Day-Lewis. Um, and the same with Eddie Redmayne, not just uh, the theory of everything, but uh, Danish Girl, where just incredible challenges, um, which is something that I'm always looking to do. Because if you're not stretching yourself, if you're not pushing, then it, it, you're sort of sitting, you're sort of standing still, and that's something that uh, I really struggle with. I'm, I'm not very good at sitting still. Yeah, and of course you got your new challenge as well because um, you're a producer with Razor Edge Films. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, I mentioned before, uh, my business partner is Winston Ellis, um, amazing actor, performer. Um, he's been in Batman, Pirates of the Caribbean. He's just finished on Bond. Mm. So um, working with him is a daily pleasure anyway. But um, yeah, being a producer has brought its own set of challenges, which I've thoroughly enjoyed. It's It's been one of those where, again, as much as I read about it, as much as I took it, and as much background information as I could, putting it into practice was completely different. Um, you're you're managing people, you're dealing with huge budgets, and constantly putting out fires and working with different people and different HODs, and it it was a huge challenge, but something that it's another um, it's another uh, string to the bow in that sense and it's something that i now look at as i know more about a film and that's always a positive i mean you get to see what's behind the camera as well as in front of the camera which the the magic that goes on with people in terms of um their the way they the way they are as a hod and the way that they make a film set work is quite incredible and it's something i wouldn't change and i'm looking forward to producing a load more films um the our premiere film that we're producing at the moment is a feature documentary uh, with Eddie Hall and Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Hall's the world's strongest man and Arnold Schwarzenegger is Arnold Schwarzenegger. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's all about uh, the world's strongest man. He's lifted 500 kilos off the floor and what does he do now? He's, he's achieved his life goal. So he's looked to Arnold for inspiration and that inspiration was to go into entertainment so he's now moving to become an actor um he's also doing a lot of presenting work uh, just as himself so our story follows him moving in the footsteps of arnold schwarzenegger we've also got sort of comparisons to jason statham yeah. carl weathers dolph lundgren sylvester stallone um all these guys that had um either a sporting background or came into acting late or, you know, um, that whole thing where entertainment wasn't the first thing, but it became the main thing. So that's our first film to come out of the blocks. Yeah, that does sound very exciting. And so how does it feel for you to be part of the production team on a film which stars someone who you watched when you were growing up? That's obviously, Arnold Schwarzenegger is an 
icon in the yeah. film industry. <laughs> um, it's quite incredible, really. Um, you, you, you never sort of set out each day to sort of go, oh, I'm, I'm working with Arnold today or um, I'm working with Eddie today or I'm working with Winston today. It's, it's one of those where it's like a gradual um, progression of things. But when I was given the opportunity to work on this film, it was like, is it just footage of Arnold or is it Arnold? And <laughs> that was like the sort of first thing that goes through your head. But um, yeah, the, the people that we've got on this and working with Arnold Schwarzenegger is incredible. Um, the, the team went out to Ohio and captured the Arnold Classic, which was an amazing experience. Um, and then on top of that, um, capturing an interview talking about Arnold's experiences and what it takes to be at his level and to be the, I mean, he's, he's essentially um, in the public subconscious. If you said Arnold Schwarzenegger to any person on the street, you, you generally get a response. Some 99% of people will be able to tell you who he is. And that's quite incredible in itself. I mean, I grew up watching Schwarzenegger films. I mean, maybe five of my top 10 films are Schwarzenegger films, yeah. which <laughs> that probably says more about my taste in film, but um yeah, it's quite incredible. Yeah. So I guess then I'll know the answer, but back 10 years ago when you started acting, did you ever think, one, you would be in the production side and two, you would be producing an Arnold Schwarzenegger film? Absolutely not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I could have it, it, um, it was one of those where like, I kind of had no expectations going into it. Um, I watch a lot of films. I mean, I've got like, this is no exaggeration. I've got like 3000 DVDs. Um, oh. I watch films constantly. This is, uh, cause I'm old. So uh, this is pre streaming and pre Netflix. So like, yeah. Um, uh, I, I sit and watch so many films and I guess I got sucked into without sounding too pompous. Uh, I got sucked into the magic of film and it was one of those where it was like, how do they do that? And, how how was that created and all all these sort of different things that for me there was always something new to learn and there was always something new to take on and it was one of those uh, moments where it was like how do I get myself involved in this but I never uh, I never sort of thought to myself I'm going to be this or I'm going to be that and one one of the best things I learned recently um, is you if you can stay humble about everything you always appreciate it more. Yeah. And that, that's been one of the key things for me is sort of just to stay grounded, no matter what set I'm on or what I'm doing or who I'm working with. It's sort of like, it's very easy for your head to go into the clouds very quickly. Whereas instead it's sort of like, if you can stay grounded, you sort of appreciate it a whole lot more. And, and that, that's really important for me. Yeah. I think that's a really important bit of advice for anyone really with whether it's in acting or whatever they're pursuing just to have that bit of, what's the word? Like, yeah, just stay human a bit, you know? Just remember where you come from. So yeah. would you say that your, like your family or your background have helped you on your journey? Or? Massively. Um, I mean, the, the key thing for me is I'm just, um, I'm just a guy from West London. I'm, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I, there's not there's nothing special about me so um yeah I've, I've had massive support 
from people and it's been quite incredible um my my parents um instead of saying don't be an actor don't go entertainment um were so supportive and yeah. it was one of those where you're always going to get people who you grew up with that don't get what you do and that that that, that sort of comes with the, the ground in that sense it's very much like um i grew up with a lot of guys that have gone into the trades and nine to five and I, i'm i'm envious of them for a lot of it because it's is that it's that stability which is quite cool and yeah. I, I i massively appreciate that and um from my perspective it was a case of i couldn't see myself in an office i couldn't see myself in a in a nine in a traditional nine to five and yeah. um i think i'd go stir crazy it would be kind of like this lockdown at the moment i think yeah. um, that, <laughs> that might tip me over the edge um so yeah like it is a super challenging job and it's a daily challenge but in saying that i'm quite lucky i've got support of friends and family um i constantly get messages from people saying were you just on this or were you just on that or we've just seen you in this um i was on dark angel uh, last year and i had a load of messages from friends going we just rewatched that like three times because we were like we, we you're playing a naughty person again <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I can't really help that <laughs> um the same like war of the worlds we um we did some real fun action sequences on that where um we're all uh getting lasered by the um big tripod um on the beach and that sort of stuff so we had big fluorescent bulbs on our chest and all that sort of stuff and running around setting off flashes and really really cool fun stuff and it was like you get messages afterwards saying were you just on war of the worlds i was like yeah which which episode you were watching yeah i mean that one and that one and that one <laughs> but yeah it's, it's um i'm lucky because i was given that chance just to go and find out i mean i was always gonna do it for myself because i'm i'm not gonna look back in 20 years and go i wish i'd done that yeah but at the same time it's always that little bit easier when you've got support people around you uh, so has that support helped when it comes to the from the hardships of acting like you know obviously i'm guessing you've had to face re rejection and things like that and does that support help there oh, i mean rejection is a daily part of being an actor um there's not a single actor that has never had rejection at some point um so from that perspective you, you have to go into every casting or every meeting being the answer to someone's problem because if you don't go in with that mindset you're defeating yourself before you start but in saying that there's always that little uh, voice in the back of your head that's saying yeah you didn't get that you didn't get that um i i i uh i remember one casting um i had to uh it was for it was for a mobile phone commercial and i've gone in and all that was in the room was obviously the camera and the casting director but uh just a stool and they were like can you uh, do some pratfalls on this stool? Because the idea is that we're going to have a breakaway stool on the day and all that sort of stuff. And um, I remember I did a forward roll over the stool, picked up the stool, and then as I went to pick it up, I broke it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was in that moment you go, yeah, I didn't get this one. 
(laughs) I've made their day exponentially harder than it needed to be. Um, So, yeah, the support is incredibly important. If it's a hundred, a thousand times harder if you haven't got people around you that either support or believe in what you're doing. Yeah. And like I, I, I'm lucky because I can go to people and say, look, I'm thinking of doing this uh, or I'm thinking of doing that. What do you think? Um, so like at the moment, I'm doing a lot of stuff based around voices, voiceover, that sort of stuff. Um, just because it's, it's another challenge. It's another thing where I can go, all right, let's, let's see what we can do here. Um, I'm, I'm, that, I'm always that weird guy on the Met line going into town that is talking to himself. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I'm always practicing a voice or uh, trying a new accent or whatever it might be. Um, because then I, I feel like I'm learning. I feel like I'm doing something new. I feel like I'm challenging myself. Mm. Um, like I, I always sort of talk to directors and say, look, is it possible for my character to have an accent? and kind of go away and work on it and usually that just annoys them because they're like no can you just do the work but um, (laughs) sometimes i look out and i I did a fantastic um festival film called scepter dial and it's based on richard the third but like a modern uh telling and i just finished working on robin hood and i had like my yorkshire accent nailed and I was like, can I do like a generic northern squaddy voice for this one? Yeah. And it worked. It was really good. It, um, my, my, as you can tell, my London voice isn't particularly gruff. It's not particularly um, hard. So like from that perspective, it was like, can I sound more like Sean Bean? Yeah. <laughs> so this is a question completely. Um, not, it's not on a script, just for our listeners to know. You know, we do plan episodes, oh, yeah. we go back and forth, but I've just thought of this now. So, um, you've obviously got you're a strong mental attitude, and you know, you want to challenge yourself. Could you maybe think of where this has come from? You know, what makes you, you know, always want more and strive for improving yourself? Um, I mean, the whole sort of self improvement thing is something that I just stand by as a general principle. Um, I mean, my my study area <laughs> is covered in post-it notes of things that you need to learn this, you need to do this, you need to do that. You haven't done this yet. Um, like this lockdown, for example, um, I've got a list over the next sort of 10 days, at least, of things that I'm going to brush up on or relearn. So I'm doing both staff routines, nunchucks, sword spinning. Um, I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn an instrument and all that sort of stuff. But I guess it all comes from my first, my first agent in terms of sort of entertainment said a very important phrase to me. He, he said, you can either be a talent or you can be the talent. And it was, it was a question for me. It was like, you can do what everyone else does and Yep, you can be one of the talent or you can push yourself to be the talent. You can be the lead actor. You can have the lead role. And you have to have that professional arrogance, I guess, um, for want of a better phrase, um, to push yourself that way. And you've got to back yourself to be able to do those things. And the only way to do that is to be confident in what you do and what you know. 
And for me, the only way that I can be confident to do that is to learn stuff and have skill sets and have knowledge about things. I mean, I, I'm the guy that will sit and read 20 PDFs on a subject just to make sure I know something about it. You know, yeah. <laughs> you know how people get um, stuck in the YouTube black hole and like over and over a million YouTube videos. I do the same with like theory documents and stuff like that and end up doing uh, reading stuff about science and um, whatever, whatever the subject might be, but I end up sort of stuck in that. But yeah, to come back to sort of like self-improvement, that's, that's, that's been me forever. And it's been a case of um, if you're not improving, if you're not developing, then there's too many things you're missing out on. There's too many things you can't then do or you're, you're, or you're behind or you're, you're constantly playing catch up. And for me, I either like to be ahead of the curve or I like to know that I can go into something already knowing something about it and be able to actually add to it. Um, and on top of that, it, it's great to sort of be a little bit versatile with your skill set and things that people wouldn't normally do is always great. I mean, I never thought for a second that I would need to be able to rock climb, for example, or scuba dive. Um, but immediately I was like, right. Um, so I went and got my dive master. Um, I did my single pitch award. So all these sort of things really sort of helped with that because people say, oh, do you want to come rock climbing? And suddenly it's like, yeah, great. Yeah. Or um, we're, we're, we're going to do some sword training. Do you want to come and join in? Like, sounds awesome. So yeah, um, for me, it's just the, it's a staple of who I am because if I, if I don't feel like I'm pushing myself or I'm learning something, then I feel like I'm borderline wasting time. Yeah. Yeah. So is there anything you're working on now or hopefully working on? Yeah. Um, so I, uh, I'm constantly going over uh, weapons routines cause that's something that is always sort of important to me. Um, yeah. I've worked with the British action Academy for, quite a few years now and it's it's always sort of very very dear to me that I'm able to perform routines and uh, we, we have some fantastic stuff where you perform like a ninja routine um which is like with katanas and yeah. uh, nunchucks then we've got like um, a secret agent which is like a Jason Bourne style so I'm constantly um working on those sort of things and while while we're in lockdown um I've made myself a huge list of stuff that I'm working on. But on top of that, um, I've got like uh, 30 or 40 voices that I want to get done as well. Um, so I'm uh, sort of doing my impressions and voiceovers and all that sort of stuff. Um, just because you find yourself doing them and you find yourself doing them to yourself. But the real challenge is to sort of put them out there and actually, you know, wear your heart on your sleeve a little bit and actually show people what you're doing. Yeah, because you're so, you know, you've got all this happening and you are very d d dedicated. Is it hard to get that balance of professional and personal life at all? Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm rubbish at it. I'll be, <laughs> <laughs> I'll be completely frank. Um, I, more, more recently than, say, when I was growing up, um, I'm usually happier if I'm, either at home or in the studio or um, in the gym, working on something, developing something than I am on a night out. Um, I, for me, 
love love to chat to my friends love spending time with my friends and family um but uh, i always had that sort of niggling feeling it's like you should be in the gym or you should be you should be working on this or you should be working on that so yeah I, i'm genuinely awful at getting the balance right um and i've been told many times that <laughs> um but the, the good thing is is that people sort of know where i am and what i'm doing and they they sort of they, they get it for the most part which is cool yeah well that's all right so has that ever um had a negative impact on anything or sorry i'm asking personal questions no, no, I, I, I like those questions um yeah uh one of my first action jobs was on hollow crown with uh benedict cumberbatch yeah. and we were doing very long days it was it was only in rickmansworth which is quite close to where i was living at the time and um we were doing like 16 18 hour days depending on the day um it was fantastic it was one of the best um productions i've ever been on um it was constant sword battles um we did the um a horse, a horse, a kingdom for my horse sequence with Benedict Cumberbatch, which was to see that played out by an incredible actor and to be in the middle of that whole scenario with a, a battle going on, the rain coming down, mud everywhere, horses running around, all those sort of things happening. I wouldn't change it for the world. Um, the problem was is that it's very hard to balance your home life when you're doing that. Yeah. And you're leaving very early in the morning. You're coming home very late at night. Um, I, I don't, I don't mind bringing it up. I mean, uh, my my first long term relationship came to an end because I was doing very long hours, and we we were sort of like ships passing in the night. And I understood where she was coming from, and I, I totally understood it. And unfortunately, we went our separate ways um, because of the career I was in and the job I was doing um we're still good friends now which is great but yeah um the balance can have a positive and a negative effect on things so looking back is there anything you would change or are you quite happy with how things have turned out i love that question um no i don't think i would the only thing the only regret i have in terms of being in film and tv and being an actor is I should have started sooner. That's the only real regret I have. Um, the vast majority of the decisions I've made, when I look back at them, I probably would make most of them again. Um, but I'd like to have made them when I was 15, 16, and instead of starting at sort of 20, uh, 21. So yeah, from that perspective, um, yeah, I'd, I'd do it all again. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. So obviously, you know, you've been acting for t uh, ten years, is it? Yeah. So, what's next for you? What have you got planned? So, so obviously, because of the hiatus, uh, because of the lockdown, um, the film I'm producing is on hiatus um, until such a point as the world starts moving again. Yeah. Um, so, we will be releasing. Um, it's called The Beast, which is the featured documentary. Um, so that that's next on the slate in terms of producing. Um, uh, myself and Razor Edge have a slate of films. So myself and Winston are spearheading 
very big films. I mean, Winston is certainly the, the driving force when it comes to these these projects. He's um, himself and Ray Nicholas have got a fantastic project um, called Let No Man Know, which is the real life story of Tom Molyneux, um, the first um, black boxer in 1812 in London to go for the heavyweight championship of England. Mm. Um, and true life story of his life in Louisiana um, and his freedom from the cotton fields and uh, Mandingo fighting, uh, becoming a pugilist fighter in New York before coming to London. Um, it's, uh, it follows a lot of the lines in terms of um, slave films like Django, but um, it's got a fantastic British spin on things. And that will be our premiere production that's moving forwards um it's got a lot of moving parts obviously with being in louisiana new york london and being a period piece as well um sort of the period between sort of like uh 1790 and 1812 so it's a big period of time where a lot of things happened um pugilist fighting was still huge um and there's a lot of real life characters that people can research and find out for themselves so we're trying to stay true to them as well but at the same time put in a very dramatic and um, uh, heartfelt take on things. So that'll be the next feature film that we produce. And then for me personally, um, I have a film called uh, Chameleon, which I will be acting in, playing a character called Alex Mason. Um, and that's a special forces SBS type film, um, terrorist plots. So I'm uh, always training for that one. Because that's that's something I, I find very very appealing to me. Um, yeah. I've been watching watching a lot of Ant Middleton recently. Just to <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so th- those be the next things that um, are getting off the ground for me. Uh, so you have got a lot on <laughs> from the sound of things. Uh, it, it's the way it's it's the way I like it. Um, I, I would I would feel very amiss if I didn't have something on. Yeah. If I didn't, if I didn't find something to be doing, um, I mean, pe- people around me in a professional context will will say how annoying I am because I'm constantly messaging, saying what we're doing now, what we're doing now, what we're doing now. Yeah. So, <laughs> what can I be doing? What, what what's next? Um, but yeah, it's I much prefer to be busy than to be idle. Um, I mean, my my Xbox is definitely neglected. Um, yeah. I, I, I haven't sat down and played a video game in must be like 18 months now. Um, yeah. So that, that side of things is sort of like um, taking a back step. I mean, even for the most part, um, I get a lot of my films and a lot of my media through either film reviews or YouTube because yeah. I'm, I'm constantly working on stuff. So I've got one screen with all my work and I've got another screen that's playing like a film review in the background. Yeah. And it's like, Oh, that's what that film was about. And that's why I won an Oscar. And then, <laughs> then I'm back to work. Yeah. Well, when I was, you know, researching up on this interview, obviously I did my research into you. And just to let listeners know, I could tell that from the start was when I was reading like your resumes and this and that, it had firearms training, stunt driving training, you're a personal trainer, you do kickboxing, free running, you're an FA football coach, you've got a bachelor's a degree in sports. So it's like, you seem to have done many people's worth of things, but it's all you. And I found out when I was <laughs> really interested, actually, how we might have fit everything in. 
Yeah, um, a lot of the stuff was sequential. Um, so uh, my degree, for example, it was for me. I'm a massive advocate of education. I I, I can't stress that enough to anyone. Um, to be ed to have an education and to have a grounding in education is incredibly important, regardless of whether that be vocational, it can be educational, it can be any number of things. But to have that to either fall back on or to push you forwards is so important. Um, so for me, um, to get that degree was like um, to draw a line under my education, but to prove that I got there and that I could do it. So that, that was definitely important for me. And then um, a lot of the stuff like the coaching badges and the personal training. I mean, that, that was like my entire first life um, from that perspective. Uh, I love being a PT. Um, uh, helping people is something that is always important to me, um, especially in a time where fitness is always um, at the forefront of people's minds. There's always this get fit quick or lose weight or whatever it might be. And to give people a helping hand with that was something that I tried to put at the forefront of things and make uh, make an effort to do that. Um, it's incredibly difficult, and I'm, my hat goes off to anyone who's a PT because, especially in this sort of day and age, and especially over the next twelve weeks, it's going to be incredibly difficult to be one. Um, but that also gave me uh, the skills I needed to go into the gym, not feel out of place in the gym. Um, there was a, a post I saw by Tom Hardy recently. He said, um, and uh, everyone knows Tom Hardy's image, but um, he said like uh, going into the gym, he was as an issue because he always felt intimidated by the bigger guys in the gym. And <clears throat> I really associate with that massively because um, I'm not the biggest or strongest by any stretch. And I, I spend a lot of time in the gym, but it's always that case of there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of guys and girls that are bigger and stronger. And it was like, at least I know what I'm doing. I mean, I could, <laughs> yeah. at least I won't look silly. That, that, that was the main thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm 32 years old. And from, from that perspective, it was like, it's hard not to have done a lot, I think, when, yeah. when you've got a mind like mine that doesn't sit still for very long. Yeah, definitely. So as we come to the end, have you got any advice that you'd share, whether this is acting related yeah. or personal, just share some advice <laughs> i mean uh, my advice um sort of ties in with my aspirations as well because uh from from my perspective you've got to have something that's driving you forwards and like i i i aspire to not just do the best that i can do and be the best i can be and work on the biggest things that i can work on but it's got to be worthwhile um my my uh, my production company's mantra is compelling films for social change. So there's this whole thing where it's not just about putting films out for the sake of putting films out. Um, myself and Winston are very much of the opinion that if you're making media, it has to be compelling. It has to be something that people want to watch. But at the same time, it has to be an advocate for something that is socially relevant. It has to be an advocate for something that can at least start the wheels of change at least sort of highlight that there is something that um can uh can be a, a vehicle for change a vehicle for pushing things forward so that's that's 
key for me. So in terms of the advice that I would give people, you got to hustle would be the first and foremost thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the hustle is the most important part. You, you've got to be willing to go above and beyond when no one's looking and know that you're not going to get any thanks for it. Know that no one's patting, on, patting you on the back for the work that you're doing behind closed doors. Um, Muhammad Ali, um, uh, his quote, um, fights aren't won in the ring, fights are won in the hundreds of hours beforehand, in the hundreds of hours in the gym, in the hundreds of hours, in the thousands of punches on the pads and all those, all those things before you step into a ring. And it, it, for me, it's, it's not about what you've already done because everyone's done something, but it's about what you're doing, how you're, how you're supporting your drive to move forwards. And if you're working hard and you're hustling, that, that's 100% um, the driving force. If, if you haven't got that drive or that ambition or you're lacking that, it, it's going out and finding that first because that's what will push you forward. So that, my first bit of advice would be to hustle. Um, my second bit would be take the knockbacks and take them as advice, take them as feedback, take them, take them as a positive. Because regardless of what job or what industry or wherever you might be, it's always a case of someone's going to say no at some point. Someone's going to say not right now. Um, One of my favorite speakers said that no just stands for next opportunity, which I thought was really poignant. It was just a case of, all right, yep, it's no this time, but what's the next opportunity? What's the next thing I can do? and the last, the last thing, and it's something that I struggled with for a long time, but sort of turned the corner on it, is just not give up. Um, giving up is something that there's always, giving up is always closer than moving forward. Like you're, you're always, whatever you're doing, whatever you're performing, whatever, wherever you might be, giving up is only one step. Whereas moving forward is a constant fight. It's a constant work. Um, And it's knowing that pushing forward and working hard is always going to be exponentially more beneficial than if you gave up. Or, I mean, for me personally, I would hate not to know what had happened or what could have been. Um, Even if it's a negative, even if it's, uh, even if it didn't work out the way I wanted it to, I'd, I'd hate not to know what it could have been so yeah i mean that would be my advice yeah well thank you that is that's inspiring <laughs> and for that last piece of advice on a personal note from me and not from my listeners know but you're the first interview i've done which isn't related to stammering um we put my first guest who aren't stammered and in the build up to this i was thinking if my speech is awful i don't care because i've still done something that i wouldn't have done before so yeah, so thank you for helping me as well. Yeah, as far as, as, far as the whole um, stammer, um, I, I'm a huge fan of Scroobius Pip, yeah. um, spoken word artist. Um, I, I remember listening to Dan Lassac versus Scroobius Pip a few years back and um, finding out that about the, the things that come with having a stammer and the way it can affect 
yourself on a social on um even on a personal level all those sort of things that come with it um for me i'm massively supportive of um people understanding what these things are and how they come about and all those sort of things and i was lucky enough um to work on taboo uh, a couple of years ago and i was sat in the makeup chair and i looked to my right and i looked back and i was like I know you <laughs> and um uh he uh dave rolled his head back and then he looked back he went do you i was like you're scroobius pip and he was like yes I do. <laughs> and um i i had a full fanboy moment with that yeah. noticeable stammer It is one of those things where, like, it's just the cadence of someone's speech. I mean, uh, I noticed that my my brain works faster than I can talk sometimes, and I end up saying the same word over and over and over. And it's just like I I get where people are coming from. So yeah, um, I think the stammer is a perfectly nice way of people talking, and I, I don't I don't think um, it's better to look at it as your cadence and less of your affliction would be my my way of putting it. Yeah, I know that a lot of my listeners are part of the stammering community, and that would yeah. that, that will mean a lot to them. So, Jamie, honestly, thank you for appearing on the show. It's been great getting to know thank you, you, and I'm sure my listeners feel the same. So, I've got any last words before you go? Um, yeah, I'm an open book. Um, I'm contactable through social media and through my website. So, anyone's got questions or wants to chat, um, I'm always available, especially during this period where everyone's locked in at home and can't do anything um if anyone wants advice or just wants to chat or even wants to share stories i'm an open book so feel free to contact me well, thank you yeah i'm honestly honored to have you on my show so thank you it's been an absolute pleasure thank you jamie chambers so guys thank you for listening to this episode of the Schofield stories podcast i honestly couldn't thank you enough without my listeners no, I couldn't do this show, so thank you. You'll find us on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Anchor, and many more. I couldn't have recorded this without Zoom, and I couldn't have released this without Anchor FM, the great apps. I just want to give a shout out to Stammer for helping people with speech impediments find their voice and provide support. If you want more, you can find my website, which is proudrecoveringstammer.wordpress.com. Find me on Facebook under Callum Schofield, Stammering Activist. My Twitter is at Callum Schof, and the official Instagram for the Schofield Stories is the underscore Schofield underscore stories. Thank you so much for listening. Without you, I couldn't do this show. It honestly means everything to me that you're here listening, so thank you again. I hope to speak to you again for the next episode of the Schofield Stories. Bye for now.